Oh man, good morning guys. How are we doing this morning? Woo! We got woo! All right. And a dead cow on this side. Yes, I'm not sure what's happening there. But guys, hey, it's good to see you all. My name is Greg Peterson. I'm executive pastor here. I want to welcome those listening online as well. But that's who I am isn't important. You know, it's important that God is here and God is moving. And I want to thank you, Ben, for leading us, us in worship, Kevin, for in prayer as well. And just, I hope, guys, that you, uh, whew, I'm still all choked up from worship. Thanks, man. God is good. Um, I hope that you guys can engage in worship and not miss the opportunity to just be before the throne of God and have Him minister to your heart. We're not just singing songs. We're in the presence of God and asking Him to move and touch us. And I hope that you have the opportunity to do that. And take the opportunity to do that. Because, yeah, it's easy to come and just kind of do the things and go through the motions. But I hope that you truly engage in worshiping him because he's a good God. He's a faithful God. Honestly, I don't even know what's going on right now, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's not like I had a bad week. I had a good week. God has been faithful. It's been good. But he's here. He's present. He's moving. And uh, I don't want to miss the moment to allow him to move in our lives, and for you to take the moment to open up your heart and engage with Him through worship, through just entering into His throne room. I don't know if it helps you, but for me, I, I like to close my eyes and just imagine myself before the throne of God. And the more I position myself before Him physically, like I would if I was standing before Him, the deeper that experience is for me, the more that He speaks to me in those moments. Just, I encourage you to engage in it, not let that opportunity slip by. That wasn't the message this morning, but we're going for it this morning. We are in the last part of the Holy Spirit uh, moving, um, dwelling in His presence, what His presence does. This is part eight of eight. You guys made it through summertime. Congratulations. Yes, it's fall already. What in the world happened? I'm waiting for August to begin, right? Anybody else with me? And like, what, September's next week? Like, what happened? Um, but we've been in this series throughout this summer just talking about the Holy Spirit, what it means to dwell in His presence, not just visit, not just kind of come in and out, not just have him be a God who is like, well, when I get in trouble or I'm not quite sure how things are going, I'll go to him and maybe I'll look into his word and maybe I'll take it as good advice, but to actually dwell in his presence, to share with him every thought, every feeling, every emotion, everything in our lives, to just dwell with him, not just visit with him. Kevin gave us a beautiful picture of a gardener and how we can interact with that, of how we can feed the things of the Spirit, how we need to feed the things of the Spirit and push aside those fleshly things, those things of the world that kind of crop up in our lives. And then we talked a good bit about what dwelling does, what it, what it does in our lives when we dwell in His presence. And there's, there's things that, that we talked about in not exhaustive list for sure, because there's many, many things that he does, but there's some things that we highlighted, the fact that he restores us, 
that he is taking to us to a, a better place than we could ever be on our own. And man, we try, right? We try to be good. We try to do the right things on our own. We try, but the Holy Spirit, when we dwell with him, can make us better than our best could ever be. That he protects us. That there's no safer place for us to be, to navigate this thing called life, than in his presence. There's nothing. We try on our own. We try to make sure we have enough money, we have enough things set up around us, enough security around us, but it fails in comparison to dwelling in Him and the protection we have when we dwell in His presence. And we talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength, that strength to carry us through the day knowing that God is in charge, that we're dwelling with Him, that nothing can come against us, and that is our strength to carry through in tough times. We talked a little bit about Asaph and how his perspective and our perspective is shifts and changes when we're dwelling in the presence of God. We see the world around us in a totally different way because we start to see from his perspective and not our sinful nature's perspective. We start seeing situations around us. We start loving in ways that we can't love on our own because of the perspective we get when we dwell with the presence of God. Last week, Kevin talked about the idea that we are empowered by the Spirit of God. All these things kind of are wrapped up in Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is within us. Be the glory to Father immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. And that's what it looks like to dwell in his presence. That's what his presence does in our lives. More than we can ask, more than we can even imagine. That's how good our Father is. And that's what he has for us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So this morning, we're on the last what it does. There again, not exhaustive list. But in, in just uh, to keep with the theme of, of life here a little bit, I thought I would take us and, and be in remembrance of the, all the kids are going back to school. Yay. Yeah. The excitement in the room, right? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's, that's fair. That is truly fair. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's move up Sunday. We have a big kickoff. All the kids are going to youth group, junior high. We have downstairs happening right now as well. And just kids are moving into different grades and the anxiety that comes with that. And also this, the joy of that. But it's back to school. Here we are. It's fall. We're gone. So, so this morning, I thought I'd take us back to school a little bit, you know, for everyone else too. That way they can get, suffer. <laughs> Maybe with you. No, they can ex yeah, experience the same thing you guys are in a little bit. But I don't know about you guys, but... It wasn't, I, I wasn't great at school, all right? That was not like gym recess, maybe, but, you know, lunch, um, you know, I excelled in. But the, the, the other, the, um, what do you think, the academic things, yeah, they, yeah, that was a little bit, didn't come quite as naturally for me as some. But there was a time, there was, there was one subject where I was like, light bulb went on, and I'm like, I get this. I get this, and not even that, what, what, something more even beautiful happened than me getting something, naturally, was that the smart people didn't. 
The people that were really like good at all the other, like let's do English and let's dissect a sentence and let's do all the participles and nouns and adjectives. I don't, I don't what? Like, no, uh, you know, history, all this stuff. No, but there was, there was a class I took, one, where I was like, I get this, and they're struggling, and this is beautiful. And it was a class called Geometry. How many love geometry? How many really, really dislike just geometry? Yeah, the smart people in the room. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, that's what I found. There was a divide. For the first time in my life, I saw this divide of like something I was good at and smart people weren't. And I was like, this is just naturally and especially conditional statements. The if-then statements. If this is true and this is true, then this must be true. And the smart people couldn't get it. They're like, I don't understand how. It's like, it's logic. Like, this is true, this is true, then therefore this is true. Like, it's so simple, right? So yeah, these conditional statements. So I I came up with one for this morning to kind of help us guide us through our topic here this morning. And I did due diligence. I sent it to Ben to make sure that I formatted it correctly. Because the last thing I wanted was to offend the math teacher in the room of like, man, I was just totally wrong. And his email back was great because like, oh, yeah, that's good. It's really great. And the reason that's true is because it's a transitive property of equality. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Ben. That old transitive property of equality gets you every time. Yeah, first. So, yeah. So, I, I still have to look at my notes to read that properly because, yeah, it's not naturally for me. So this morning we're going to do a transitive, transitive property, property of equality. We're going to do an if-then statement to talk about how the Holy Spirit does what he does in our lives. So the first part of this statement is if W equals C. I know, isn't that, I mean, it just rips your heart out, doesn't it? It's, just, it's moving like, great. What the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives is shaping us to be like Christ. If we are becoming like Christ is the first truth that we're anchoring on here a little bit. Now, don't, you know, theology people don't get home. Yes, I know we're not all to die on the cross like he had. Yes, but the, the Holy Spirit is transforming our lives to be like Christ was to be imitators of Christ here, to be his body. Um, He is shaping us both individually, but he is also shaping, and I don't think we'd even talk about this enough, the Holy Spirit is shaping us corporately as well to be the hands and feet of Christ in our world around us and what that looks like. 1 John, just some verses here. 1 John 2, 6 says, Anyone who claims to live in him must walk like Jesus did. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, In your relationships one to another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Did you ever think of that, of having the same mindset of Jesus? To be able to think to be able to reason, to be able to look at things and have his mind, that is what the Holy Spirit is shaping us towards. 1 Corinthians 2.16 talks about that we have the mind of God because of Christ. 
that we have this mind and, and the things that seem good to us seem foolish to the world and the, and the things that are great to the world seem foolish to us because we have a different mind and we have the mind of God if the Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. John 17, 21, Jesus, this is in Jesus' prayer right before he goes to the cross. He's praying to the Father, and he's saying, hey, God, may they be one as we are one. Just as just I, as I am with you, that we are one, I want them to be one as well. We want them all to be as one. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you have a part of this, and paints this beautiful picture. If you've been in church, you've known this, but this idea that we are the body, and no one part is more important than the other. That, you know, you might look, the hand might look at the foot and say, man, I wish I was a foot, and the foot says, I wish it was a hand, but we are all the body of Christ. We are all being shaped through the Holy Spirit to be like Christ to represent Christ, to have the mind of Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. When we dwell with him, the Holy Spirit is shaping us to reflect the image of Christ in our community around us, to be his hands, his feet. The Bible talks about him being the head. We are his, the body of Christ. So if we are, if the Holy Spirit is shaping us as we walk with him, it's a process. This doesn't happen overnight. And, and I would argue it won't fully happen until we get to heaven. But if we're being shaped into something, we're becoming like Christ, it's important to understand, well, what was Christ about? What was, what was he, in a sense, equal to? What was in the mind of Christ? And that's the second part of our if-then, transitive property of equality conditional statement. There we go. That we have... That Christ, when you look at his life and what he was after and what drove him, was after the lost. Christ was after reconciling the lost to his Father. That's what his life was about. Ephesians 2, 17, it says, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. It's the whole of Scripture, the all of Scripture. We see this God who is pursuing his people and wanting to be in relationship. And, and, and we have record of, of people being like, yeah, I'm in, God, I'm all in, I'm all in. And then, oh, yeah, you know, I might bring in a little idolatry here, a little, things are still going good, I might bring a little here. I might, you know, I don't know, maybe my way, I, I got a better idea on this. And drift away from God, fall away from God. And then they're like, God, I blew it, I want it back. You know, it's this reconciling back and forth and bringing peace to those who were far and to near. And that's what Jesus did in his ministry. And that's what the, even God the Father, his heart for us is, is, is to be reconciled, to have that peace restored, that brokenness of our sinful nature that brings, that the Holy Spirit wants us to be free from, that Christ gives us the freedom from, for the lost to have that peace, both those who are close to the kingdom and those that are far from it, is what Jesus was about. It's the whole of Scripture. And this idea of being pursued... Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of times we kind of, because of our sinful nature, we see God pursuing us, and we hear that in a way of like a, a policeman pursuing you because you did something wrong. Like he's here to catch you. You've done something wrong, and you're going to get punished. It's not that kind of pursuing. It's the kind of pursuing of love and wanting a loving relationship, a loving, intimate relationship. It's that kind of pursuing. 
And if you want more clarity on that, I would recommend this book called Pursued by Judd Wilhite. Um, it's a great book. It, it uses um, Jose and Gomar um, story in the Bible and really lays out the, the difference between being pursued by a God who is like the cop and out to, you know, that idea versus being loved. And for some of you, this is a great lesson to learn and one that could do well for you if you want to go further into that. But we're being pursued. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of Christ. We look at Christ's life. We looked at how he lived out his life. And the Pharisees, the teachers, the law, you know this. They were like, man, why are you hanging out with the sinners? Like, don't you know who these people are? And his answer, right? Hey, I'm here. It's the sick that need a doctor, not the well. Jesus loved everyone, but he hung out with the sinners because his heart was to reconcile the lost, those that were far from him, to bring peace there. The story of the, good, uh, the 99 sheep, all together safe in their flock, and the shepherd is out looking for the one who is lost, the one that is went away, the one that strayed. That's where Jesus is. He's out looking for lost, not because he doesn't love the 99. That's where we're designed to be. And man, guys, I love the church. I love the idea that we can get together here like this. I love that we can encourage one another. I love that we can walk through tough stuff together. It's, it's, it's where we're supposed to be as, as believers. I love the church. Love the church. But man, if you want to really be where the presence of God is, God's pursuing the lost. He's looking for that sheep. And it's not this idea of, well, they're welcome to come. You know, when we try, we do things to try to make guests feel welcome here and those that are far from God feel welcome here. And I think we need to do that better even as a church. Like that's, yes, we want this to be a welcoming place for all, no matter where they're at in their, their journey with faith. But it's not just that attitude of like, well, if the sheep want to come back, if they want to come back, man, I hope they do. I really do. It's nice having them here for a little bit. Man, they strayed. I don't know if they'll be back or not. I don't know. It's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is going to the lost, spending time getting in the muck, getting in the mire, getting in the mess of life, and carrying them at times. That's what the heart of Jesus is about. That's what Christ equaled. That's what God's heart is. So we'll see how good you guys are at conditional statements, all right? If W equals C, C equals L, then what does W equal? L, yeah. For those that can read, that's, I put it up a little early. But anyway, you saw where this was going, hopefully. But as the Holy Spirit is shaping us to be like Christ, to release that, not live in that sinful nature, but to dwell in His presence. And if God's heart and Christ's heart are for the lost, then naturally, that's where our heart is going to go to. And that's where we're being shaped towards. You might not be there yet. You might be in a season in your life where God is bringing restoration into your life. That is great. Be where God wants you to be. But as he shapes us, know where he's shaping you to. He's shaping you to, to use your story to help others who are trying to find their way back to God, trying to find peace in this life. We see this in the Great Commission. 
Go ye into all the world. Go ye. Go ye into all the world. Not create an atmosphere that they feel welcome and that they can come. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. We see this in Jesus, how he interacted with the sheep, going. It's like God, that he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent his son while we were still in sin. Christ died for us. Going, sending our son, reaching out. We see this also play out even in the early church. And we see how groups of people wrestle with this reality. The tension of this word, go into all the world, is not a new tension. You're not the only one feeling like, I don't want to go to Africa. Like, I don't want to go, like, I don't know. I, can't we, like, just raise support from some, like, missionaries that, like, are crazy and want to go anyway? Or, you know, wouldn't that be easier? Can we just bless them instead? The body, the feet, um, you know, hey, let's, let's let somebody else be the foot sometimes, you know. We live in this tension. I live in this tension. I love you guys. I love being with you guys. I don't want to go where it's messy. But it's what we're called to do. And the early church struggled with this as well. And um, Jesus um, gave the instructions. This is after he even rose from the dead. He's with the disciples here. And in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And they were in Jerusalem. The trouble that the early church ran into was the same trouble that we have a tendency to run into as well. The Holy Spirit came. They stayed in Jerusalem. Holy Spirit empowered them. Their numbers grew. They stayed in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit moved and brought persecution to them. Until Stephen was stoned, and in Acts 8, 1, it says, on that day when Stephen was stoned, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem where they were. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, the places that Jesus told them to go Persecution came actually through Saul, ironically, who then became Paul and the greatest missionary. But the Holy Spirit used that persecution to scatter the church. In verse 4, Acts 8, verse 4, it says, Then those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The word of God was spread, what, what God wanted, what the Holy Spirit is doing even among us now, even where we are now. So I know, this brings up the question, how do I go? What do I, what do, I do? I, my gifts, my talents, I, might, I, don't, I don't know if I have the spiritual gift of evangelism like someone else does. I mean, I don't, how do, what, do I, what do I do with this? If this is where God is leading me and God is, is pushing me, this is what's on His heart, is to bring reconciliation to those around me. How do I do this? My advice to you is the same advice or the same instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples and to the early church. So I figure it's probably pretty good instruction, right? It came from him himself. 
Acts 1, 14. Jesus said to him, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. I want you to go into all the world. I want you, the Holy Spirit is, is telling us to go, to reconcile with the lost, the people of the lost, to, to bring them and, and to be able to walk through life with them. But before you go, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Because just like all the other things that we talked about, just like restoration, like, hey, there are things that you can do to be a better person, to be even more God-like. You can do them on your own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's better than our best. There are things that you can do to protect yourself and, and create a safety, but there, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's more, immeasurably more than we can ask or think. And it's the same thing with evangelism as well. We can go out and try to do things on our own in our community with great intentions and be somewhat successful on our own, just like all the other things that the Holy Spirit does. But if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach our community, the fruit will look much different, much more abundant, much more lasting, because we're yielding to the Holy Spirit. So I want you to go. I want to go, but first, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to lead you. Because if you dwell in his presence, sharing with him every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every, you, know, you live your day just dwelling in the presence of God, part of that is naturally going to be asking the Holy Spirit what you want, what God wants you to do. God, that, that conversation I have with my coworker, my, my peer at school, like my teacher, my, my kids, like what, you know, God, help me with these conversations. He'll lead you. Asking for the Holy Spirit to say, you know, to nudge me, Lord. To know when to step into that, um, when to, to hear that conversation different, differently. To hear the words from the other person and hear their heart that's, that you want to minister to. To see them differently. That's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want you to go, but I want you to wait. For the power of the Holy Spirit who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. Sometimes, yes, God calls us out of our comfort zone, like, jo like he did with Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. No, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Why? He, he didn't like them. They were terrible people. He's like, no, I don't like these people. And what's worse is I know that you're a gracious God, and you actually forgive these people, and they don't deserve it. I don't want to go. But God called Jonah to go. And yeah, maybe he'll call you into something that it's kind of like Moses, where it's like, I want the people to be free. My people should be free. I don't want them to live in slavery, but I can't do it. I stutter. I can't speak well. I can't do it. Lord, send someone else. But God wanted Moses to go. But most times I found in my life that God asked me to do the things that I'm naturally good at, that I didn't know I was, kind of like geometry. 
that he has given you gifts, talents, desires, things that you just enjoy that light up your face when you talk about. And everyone else is like, okay, man, calm down a little bit. Like, my father-in-law was like that with cows. Like, all you had to do is say the word cow, and the next two hours were filled. Like, he, you know, loved him, you know, and I, yeah, but he did. And God opened up many doors for him to share his faith through the agricultural, through cows. There, there are things that God has given you, things that you are good at, things that you are naturally, that oftentimes God will use you to fulfill. And, I, and I'm thankful for so many examples as I look out across here. The people that are coaches, that are into sports, that love sports, that are developing relationship with kids. People that have good business minds that are on different boards in, the, in our town square uh, and, and using their gifts in that way. Uh, people that love flowers, like the glasses do, love raising flowers, but they use that to uh, strengthen relationships with those in the factory ministries. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. For some of you know that I have a hobby. I like to ride motorcycle because it gives you really cool tan lines. If you ever really, yeah, that's how you get those. It's really fun. But that hobby, that thing that I enjoy, because I get to tinker in the garage, as my wife says, has put me in relationships with people that my pastor title, <laughs> what you do for a living, pastor title, would, would keep me far from. And it's putting me in relationships and friendships that, that I never would have been able to be in if it wasn't for something that I enjoyed doing. So what the Holy Spirit is doing among us. So as you go, I want you to go, but I want you to wait and be empowered by the Holy Spirit who can do incredibly more, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or we could ever think. Let us pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for being such a good, good Father. Someone who loves us intimately and loves us deeply and Someone who is present, Lord. And Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what your spirit is doing among us. And Lord, may you just plant the seeds that need to be planted here, Lord. Water and courage and maybe even convict us, Lord. That as we live life together, as we walk this life together, that we encourage one another to, to, to have your heart to those around us, to, to see um, those around us. But really, Lord, my prayer for this series and for us is that we are attuned to your Holy Spirit and we are empowered by your Holy Spirit, that we are changed by your Holy Spirit, that we flow out of dwelling with you. Everything we say, everything we do is dwelling with you, empowered by you, touched by you. The power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Thank you for dwelling with us individually, corporately. Thank you for being that God. Empower us, compel us to go, to spread, to bring peace, to spread the glory of your name in this area, in our spheres of influences. Send us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.